Good to have you in the house. Thank you. It's good to be here. Hi, everybody. Which one's yours? Do you know which one's yours? Yes, this is mine. I'll take this one. (laughs) I am so um, grateful to be here and so happy to be here. And um, I am um, also uh, married to Jeff, my husband, for 30 years this last November. So, yeah. Um, And I have two kids, the best and the brightest, most wonderful kids in the world. (laughs) Not really, but they're pretty good. <laughs> my son is 28, and uh, he is a helicopter pilot. My son, the helicopter pilot. It's a fun one to say. And uh, he lives in Las Vegas. And then my daughter is 21, and she is a bank teller, which is kind of like helicopter pilot, sort of. And uh, she lives at home. And, uh, yeah, that's my life. So let me pray really quick. Lord, uh, I just thank you for dividing my words for me, Lord. And just, I know you're going to lead Holy Spirit, showing me what to include and what to exclude. And thank you for just deepening the well of love in us today. Lord, I'm, I'm going to receive um, my own message, and we're all going to receive the ability to go deeper in our love. So deepen us today, and however you want to do that, God, you can convict us, you can build us up, you can tear us down, you can do anything because you're a trustworthy and loving Father. And so have your way with us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the title of my message is uh, A Love That Does Not Fail. I'm just going to lean, if that's all right. <laughs> I was teaching at a women's retreat, and I've been stand- I feel like I've been standing up for three days, so I'm just going to do this. Oh, yes, feel sorry for me. We should all feel sorry for me. <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay, so I want to talk about a love that does not fail. The best messages in my life come from the things that God has been teaching me, and, um, and this, this is one of those. This message has blood, sweat, and tears in it, so I'm going to give you my best. Um, I first want to talk about um, a time in my life when I was backslidden. I'm just going to talk about it briefly. But about uh, 30 years ago, maybe more like 33 years ago now, I, um, I backslid from my walk with God. Um, no, not, not 33 years ago. I'm only 53. That would have me at 20. Okay, so it was about 20 years ago. Sorry. And um, I walked away from God briefly for about um, six months. And I fell into sin and uh, the good thing about it is it really showed me the symptoms of what a lack of love looks like. Um, at the time, if you had said to me, oh, are you backslidden? I would have said no. No, I'm not backslidden. I love the Lord. I was still talking the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk. And I still was speaking Christianese fluently, but I was backslidden. I had fallen into sin and um, really destroyed my life and other people's lives because of it. And I, as I came back to the Lord, like I said, about six months later, um, what I began to do was I began to do the things I had done at first. I was returning to my first love. And so I went back to that place of spending time with the Lord each day. I went back to that place of spending time in his word. I went back to that place of going back into fellowship and um, being at church and just, you know, doing those things. Um, that how I had initially come into my relationship with God. So before I had backslid, right before, these are the symptoms of my life. I had become very prideful. So from a woman that was normally just 
average on the pride meter. I was like over here. I had just become extremely prideful. I was hiding it pretty well, but it was an inward attitude. I was rationalizing unholy behavior. Things that before I'd be like, oh, I would never do that. I don't even want to think about that. I was rationalizing it, coming up with reasons why it was going to be okay. I was exclusive and clicky, only hanging out with the leadership at church, who I fell with, by the way. So that's why that wasn't a good group at that point. Normally, that's a good group. Go with that group. But at this place, it wasn't. And so it's gotten real clicky, really inward, really uh, not at all inclusive anymore, not at all reaching out. I had become the star of every scene of my life. Every single thing that happened, it was how do I feel about it? How does this affect me? What do I want to do in it? So instead of being one of those person that walks into the room and sees everyone else, how are you? Oh, I can see you're struggling. Oh, how is that person? Hey, how's your mom doing? I got more and more inward. And so I was the star of every scene of my life. And... Um, I no longer deeply loved the body. That was such a tip-off. I mean, now in hindsight, I think, how did I not see that my lack of love for the body of Christ was my ticket to backsliding? And although I, I did claim to love God and know God, I no longer knew him well because my behavior didn't mesh with who he was. And so um, I was thinking about what are some symptoms of a Christian's lack of loving God. So we're going to talk about loving God, God loving us, and then we're going to talk about loving each other. So um, symptoms of a lack of loving God or receiving his love is a constant frustration with others or yourself. You're constantly frustrated with the body of Christ. You're constantly frustrated with yourself. You're not measuring up. Hopelessness about your job performance, your ministry, whatever. Um, your love is surface, and you find yourself constantly disappointed, constantly let down by those around you, especially in the body. Um, you have trouble focusing, even during worship. I tell you that a symptom of backsliding or a symptom of a lack of love for God and receiving his love is you go into worship service, and your mind is a swirl of me, myself, and I, or my ministry, or this thing, or that thing, or my job. And um, it seems when you're in that swirl, it seems like I don't even know how to get out of this swirl. But you just begin to be super intentional about your worship of God. And, and it is possible to come out of that. And then a decline of a once holy lifestyle. Like I said, that was, that was one of mine. So the solution for that, for that lack of love of God that lack of receiving his love and loving him is so simple. It's just returning to your first love. It really is simple. It's a decision. Um, doing the things you did at first. Going deep into him. Going deep into his presence. Revelations 2, 4 through 5. I'm going to le- read two translations. The first is the New Living Translation. It says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And then New American Standard Bible says, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. That, that first translation, I love that it. it says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. 
Remember coming to the Lord. Remember coming into the body of Christ. Remember seeing each other with rose-colored glasses. You know, remember the honeymoon stage when it's like, what, you're a Christian? Awesome. We're both Christians. And we connect and we just talk about Jesus. And you could just stay up all night talking about God and how good he is. Right? That's what we're returning to. It's not only returning to to seeking God and loving God and pouring out your spirit to him. It's returning to each other. A symptom of our love of God and our receiving his love is our love for each other. In fact, it's how the world knows that we know him. And so I started to go back to those things. All those years ago, those 20 years ago, I started to go back to long walks with God. And I started to go back to time in his word. And I started to go back to church meetings and getting hungry to be with the people of God. And, um, and it made all the difference. Um, you know, as, it, as we talk about what it means to go in deep with God, to really, this is just a simple message of press into him like you have not pressed into him before. You know how when you're in a trial and you press into him like big time? Do that even if you're not in the trial. Push and press and push and press your way in. So I had two dreams recently, and I had um, one one morning just as I woke up, and I had the second dream the very next morning just as I woke up. It's the last thing I dreamed before the alarm went off. And the first morning, um, what I dreamed was it was an old-time choo-choo train, the kind where they put the wood in the fire to, to get it going. And I saw wood being thrown into the engine fire of the train, and the train was picking up speed. And I heard the voice of the Lord, and he said, you're going to need more wood in your fire to keep that train a rolling. <laughs> That's exactly what I heard. And then the alarm went off, and I woke up, and I thought, I need more wood to keep that train a rolling. And then the very next morning, I dreamt that I was out walking, and I saw my walking shoes. And I remember the walk was way further than I thought it was going to be. And I heard the Lord say, you're going to need more tread on those shoes to keep on a walking. <laughs> and I was like, okay, there's a theme and apparently a country accent theme in there, but there's, there's a theme. The th- there is a theme. That is a warning dream, even though they were kind of um, pleasant and cute. There's a warning in there that God is trying to speak to me and us. And the warning is this, this um, life, this trail, it's further than you thought. It's harder than you thought. It's steeper than you thought. It's probably more fun than you thought, but it's more strenuous than you thought. Can I get an amen from John? It's harder than you thought. What? Now we're at a hill, and you just think, what is this? But the Lord has said, that's why I had you putting wood in the fire all those years. That's why you were rising early all those years. That's why you were worshiping when things were great all those years. That's why you were connected to the body of Christ and you had fellowship with each other and you had community with each other. Why? Because you need more wood in the fire. Because you need more tread on the shoes. Because the trail is going to be longer and harder than you thought. It's also going to be grander than you thought. You know, but it's... It's God's warning is not to be taken lightly. And I thought, okay, so he, if he said that to me, what he's saying is what I'm doing is not going to cut it. See, that's what's eye-opening because, okay, I'm already getting up every morning and spending time with the Lord. And, you know, I'm already doing uh, all those things. I'm spending time on walks. I'm soaking in his presence. 
But um, I started to talk with my daughter, Amy, about this. And we were talking, well, what, you know, what does that look like? And I said, my gosh, it looks like if the doors of church are open, I'm there. That instead of being like, oh, I don't, no, I don't like that preacher. I'm not going to that. Or, oh, I don't like that worship leader. And I don't like his style. I love him. I love him so much, but I just don't like his style. Like, we get so picky. You know, like, oh, she's she's cool and all, but I don't know, I want to stay home, survivor's on, you know? <laughs> and I was thinking, like, God, help me to get out of my apathy and not be so ultra picky that I can't just, just spit out the bones if it's not your cup of tea, but that I would just go and love to be with the body of Christ, that I would walk in the room and see who's there and, and zero in on them, that I would love others and receive their love. Why? I need more wood in my fire. I need more tread in my shoes. It's, it wasn't a gloom and doom like, well, what? You know, the stuff that's awaiting you, Paula, it's bad, it's hard, it's going to be really, you better put, it wasn't like that. It was like, I mean, I just have only lived 53 years and I can tell you it's already been a wild ride. Way harder than I thought, way better than I thought, way more exciting than I thought. There were some dips in there I did not see coming that were horrifying, but there was also some high places where the view was stunning and I couldn't believe, how did I get up here? And I, I bet you could all say the same thing. And so if I'm only 53, <laughs> I like that. You know, I'm just sticking with that story. I'm only 53. And if I'm only 53, then I think, well, what's coming down the pike? And how do I get more wood? How do I press into my walk with God more? How does it become more genuine, more intimate, more real, more vibrant? And all I can say is I'm figuring out as I go. I'm pressing on as I go. I'm spending more time on the floor and worship music and just soaking in his presence. I'm spending more time in his word. And I'm learning to love meeting together with the believers more than I have been. And not to get so blasé about it all. So um, there is a situation that happened. And in the middle of it, while it was happening, I just thought, this, this is going to preach well. You know, it was really horrible while it was happening. But it was one of those. And... So my daughter had said, my son was home from Vegas. Um, my daughter's boyfriend was there, my husband and I. And Amy says, I'm going to take you guys on a little hike. And we thought, well, it's a beautiful day. And we live in the mountains. That sounds wonderful, honey. Yes. And I said, well, how far? Because she's an avid outdoors woman. And I said, well, how far is this little hike? And she said, well, I'm taking you to this cabin. And it's in the woods. And this guy, I guess, brought all the materials on a donkey or something. But it's in the woods. And she's like, it's a mile back in the woods. There's, she's like, it's a little uphill, but it's really pretty. You're going to love it. And I was like, well, that sounds good. Okay, and my husband, who is, is 74, so he's 20 years older than me. He, you know, I'm like, are you good with that? And he goes, yeah, I could probably make that. He's pretty fit. So, you know, we get in the car. We go up. To 9,000 feet, we live at 4,000 feet, we go up to 9,000 feet, and that's where we're starting the hike. So I said, you know, should we bring anything? And we we're like, it's only a mile. Let's just bring a bottle of water. So we have a bottle of water. We start the hike. Okay, so does anybody know what a switchback is? Yeah. Okay. This hike is all switchbacks. I mean, it's just, it's just switchbacks. It's like looking up the side of a mountain, and this is what it is. It's just switchbacks. And Oh, my word. You know, it's 9,000 feet where we're starting. So we're going up and up and up and up and up. And after, you know, 20 minutes, <laughs> it really wasn't that long. My husband stops someone coming down the trail and he says, 
hey, how far is the cabin? And the gal says, oh, it's 3.2 miles to the cabin. I know. Oh, my gosh. And, and I said, is it all uphill? And he's like, well, it's not all switchbacks, but, yeah, it's all uphill. Oh, my gosh. So Amy says to me, and she's very protective of me. I'm just her best friend in the whole world. So she looks at me, and she's like, Mom, you can make it. As long as you keep resting along the way, you can go as far as you want. And I thought, yeah, that's probably true. I'm in pretty good shape. I'm just not acclimated. And I didn't have the muscles that you get from going uphill because I don't walk up hills because I don't like to. And, uh, yeah, I, I wish I had been. So um, we start going up. And, I mean, I am having the hardest time. I have never been the one on a hike that had to be like, everybody hold up again. Oh, it is horrible. It's embarrassing. I used to, I used to be the person that when the person would say, everybody hold up, I'd be like, all right, you good now? Okay, let's go. (laughs) And now I was the loser that everyone had to wait for. And so we're probably a mile and a half, maybe two miles into it. And I was so, I just thought for sure my husband, Jeff was going to be like, I kept turning around like, are you okay? And he's finally like, you can stop asking me. I'm fine. So it was me. I wasn't fine. Jeff, the 74 year old was fine. I was not fine. I was huffing and puffing and I just had the toughest time. And so yeah, a couple miles into it, I finally sat down and I just said to her, you know, I don't think I can make it because we hadn't brought any food. My bowl of cereal had worn off long before then. And I've never been depleted and hungry to the point where I just thought, I can't go any further. I now get how that feels. And so she said, well, we could have brought sandwiches, and why didn't we? And I don't know. So she starts digging through her backpack, and she finds this power bar in the bottom. Oh, it was like a miracle. I heard the angels singing when she brought that out. Oh, look what I found! Because I really felt like I'm not going to see the cabin. I truly was done. My stomach was actually like burning, you know, where you've burned all the food. And now it's just like you're just nauseous. And so I ate the power bar. No one asked for a bite, which is really awesome. (laughs) I just like turned away. No, I didn't. I offered bites, but if they didn't want one, yeah. (laughs) So I ate my power bar. And we slowly continued up, 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 3.2 miles back, and we got to the cabin. And you know what? It was one of the prettiest things I've ever seen. In fact, if you come to Bishop, I'll take you there. We will go very slow. (laughs) And I need food. But it was one of the prettiest things. (laughs) Oh, there you go. He can fly you in. Yeah, it was really funny because Andrew and Amy and Amy's boyfriend, Lucas, they were like running Back in, I mean, it's just young, just youth, you know? And, um, and when we got up there, it was this, this cabin that was built with the stones that he had found locally and then some, some wood. And it was on a big flat, um, stream that there were some guys up there fly fishing. I mean, it was like this idyllic scene of beauty. And we just sat there for an hour and soaked it in and took pictures. It was just, it was so beautiful. And then going down was naturally super easy and fun and no problem. But, you know, as we left for that hike, it was exactly the dream. It's so funny. It happened about two weeks later. It was exactly the scenario. The scenario was, this thing is way harder, way further than what you thought. And you're treating it like child's play. You don't even have uh, more than one water in your backpack. You have no food. And it's going and, and taking the Lord's warning seriously, you know, and then just, 
just going ahead putting more wood in that fire. Okay. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Okay, and so I asked a few of my friends, I said, what does returning to your first love look like? So I told you what it looked like for me after um, falling away from God. And um, I just said, when you've had those opportunities in your life, what does it look like? And um, I'm going to read you a few of them. Um, You might have the handout. Um, Jan Lennington, who some of you may know, (laughs) she serves on the leadership team here, said, maintaining our connection with God is warfare. If I give in to the lies, it shuts my heart toward him, and life becomes a pursuit of trying to fill what only he can fill. And the counterfeits lead to a bondage that hurts me and all connected to me. Returning to my first love is an act of declaring war on the kingdom of darkness. Isn't that so good? That is so good. Um, I'm going to read uh, my friend Tom Greiners said, In my mind, those days of first love were a mixture of painful pursuit and awe as I broke free to love the Lord with a whole heart. I was compelled and captured by invisible forces drawing me into the Lord's embrace. I cut stuff off, threw things out, and wrestled demons. Can anyone relate to that when you came to the Lord? Oh my gosh, I cleaned out my closet. <laughs> I threw away all kinds of eight tracks. I've been saved a few years. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I remember just going through and like doing a purge on everything. And then Shell um, Coppersmith said, my call to action is admitting to God my need for him, not being quick to gloss over my emotions. Oh, that's so good. Just raw with the Lord. God wants my raw emotions, a flat-out cry for help and admitting my hurt. No more trying to put on a good front. It starts with honesty and then moves into impertinence. She's like the, the, uh, the widow going to the judge, seeking judgment, seeking justice. I storm his gates in prayer and say, I will not leave until I sense you again. Come on. That's like digging in and refusing to move until God shows up. I love that. Okay, so part two is loving others with God's love. And what does it look like to really love? It starts with a choice. This is going to resonate with some of you, this part, who are in difficult relationships. I hope it does. Anyways, Matthew 24, 12 through 13 in the NIV says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Are we in a time of an increase of wickedness? Has the love of many grown cold? Yeah, the New Living says sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Um, the ESV says, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. There's a scripture that says that people will be lovers of themselves. And it's true. It's funny. Their love grows cold with the exception of themselves. And um, so to keep our love hot, to keep the wood in that 
fire and that engine to keep that tread on the shoes is to pursue love. It's to run after love. It's to raise the bar for us on love and what our love will look like and what our love will do. One of the greatest ways to experience the depth and resolute nature of God's love is to be put in the position to love someone who is difficult or unloving. You want to experience the love of God? You want to experience a depth of, of resolve of God's love for you? Be in the position where you have to love someone who is kind of unlovable or so incredibly difficult that you just feel like, I don't know, I can do this another day. Um, those who you can't simply break covenant with or boundary right out of your life. And loving those that you can't break covenant with, that you won't break covenant with, that you won't boundary right out of your life. Oh, you're acting badly. You're over there. Oh, you're acting badly. Now you're over there. Oh, you're acting badly. You're over there. You know, there are those people that we have to do that to, right? But there are those people that the Lord says, no, Mm -mm. don't do it. Really? But God, they're not treating me correctly as I should be treated. And the Lord says, nope, Mm -mm. I want you to love them. And so that kind of love it is a, a special kind of suffering that is so precious to the Lord. Will you suffer? Yes. Will it be hard? Yes. But it's just a season, and it is so precious to the Lord. This can be people in the body of Christ. This can be your spouse. This can be kids. It can be whoever the Lord says, I want you to hang in there. Yeah, there was a time where the Lord said to me, you know, the people in your life are not alliances. I'm a Survivor fan. They're not your alliances. The leaders in the body of Christ are not alliances. They're not doors. They're not their people for us to love. And so that was the other thing is I felt the Lord really raising the bar on my, on my love for people to really love them as he loves them, to not see them as connections. Because sometimes, and you know... I've had this done to me, and I'm sure you guys have too, where someone kind of like meets me and it's kind of like, what can you do for me? What door can you open for me? How can I utilize my relationship with you? Ugh. God forbid, help us to stop doing that to each other. We're not connections. We're not alliances. We're not like building each other's ministry. We're loving Jesus. We're loving each other like as real human beings, as authentic, frail human people. And I want to raise the bar, especially those that are in ministry, to just love. Just love well. Now, when you're loving someone well, and let's say you're loving people that the Lord has said, don't break covenant with them. Or he has said, do not boundary them out of your life. And this is a difficult thing God has spoken, and you know, like, you're hanging in there. That doesn't mean... That you need to be flinging yourself in front of them to stop the bullets. Like you're the secret service. They're making bad decisions in their life. God has told you to stay in their life. And now you have to protect them from reaping the consequences. You don't have to protect them. You don't need to dive in front of them taking the bullets for them because God kept you in their life. You know what? You just need to, It's hard. You just need to stand aside and say, whoop, that one's going to hurt. Yep, it hurt. Just, you know, sometimes being in their life is just loving them right there. Not fixing them because the difficult ones won't be fixed, (laughs) right? That's why they're so difficult. They don't want to be fixed. They're in their misery. They're in their trouble. And, you know, your job is 
to stay in there with them and to love them well and to let the God, let the Lord teach you how to love them well. Let him teach you what they need. And you might think it's too hard. My needs aren't being met. My needs aren't being met. But there will be a season in every believer's life where the Lord will say, that's right. Your needs are not being met here and they're not going to be met here. Come to me. He is the God of all comfort. So is your comfort in your needs be met? Is your comfort in, I'm going to give 50%, you're going to give 50%, it's going to be give and take? That can be very comforting, but there are some relationships where you're going to give 100% and you're going to get, you know, 4%. And, and it's unjust. And yet, in God's equity, he's called us to love the difficult ones. He's called us to hang in there with him. And when you can look at something and go, this is a season, it helps. Because one of the devil's biggest lie is, this is your new life. You're going to have this feeling forever. You know this horrible, suffocated, fearful, disgusting, gross feeling that you have right now? That's how your heart's going to feel forever and ever. Well, that's a lie. It's temporary. Keep walking through it. Just love well. And let the Lord teach you how to love well. He'll, he'll get you through that. Thank you. And so being willing to pass through heartache to love well. Love can be unjust. So um, Psalm 73, 23 through 24 says, Yet I am always with you. I think this is the NIV translation. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. I I really want you to hear that. I'm going to read it one more time. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. So God is having you walk through a difficult love. He's having you walk through, let's say, some really unjust circumstances. And this is hurtful to you. All the time, all the time you're in the position where, because if you don't boundary someone out of your life that the Lord says, no, no, I don't want you to, you know what will happen? They'll keep rejecting you. (laughs) And then what will they do? They'll keep hurting you. But if the Lord has said, I want you to hang in there, don't give up, don't give up, don't break covenant, don't give up. And you say, this is so unjust. This is so unfair. I don't know how to get through this. I don't know how to endure this. This hurts. You know, and the Lord sees your tears and he knows that it hurts. And he is saying, I am always with you. I am always with you. I've got you by the right hand. I am going to counsel you through this. And so when I was going through a similar situation, what I thought that looked like, and Jan, can you come here so I can um, show, what I thought that looked like was, oh, the Lord has me by the right hand, and he's counseling me. And so he's got me like this, and we're like, uh-huh, and the Lord is counseling me, I'm walking me. But that wasn't it, because I was in so much pain. And this was like a river of, of um, a torrent of emotions, of staying in relationship and in covenant, where it was so incredibly hard. Not only were my needs not getting met, they were getting slammed and bashed and stomped on. So this is what this looks like. I hold you by the right hand. The Lord showed me. He's got me like this. He's got me like he's forging that thing with you. Whatever it is you're going through with God, he's got you like this. Man, you guys are going through the, thank you. (laughs) You guys are going through the torrent together. When God says he has you by the right hand and he's walking you through your trial, whether it's love, whether it's 
a myriad of many other things. It could be financial. It could be any trial. When he says he has you by the right hand, he has you in a death grip. His hand is locked into yours. He isn't going to get you halfway through that rushing river and then just be like, okay, now you're on your own. He's going to see you through to the other side. Even if you fall in that torrent, even if you blow it in that torrent, even if you're trying to love and you mess up and your words go flying and you're like, I I know God said to stop trying to fix this, but I'm going to try and fix it again. I've got the right thing to say this time. I'm going in and you just go in and you try and fix it and set it off straight. And what happens? Man, it just falls flat. And there you are in that river. There you are drowning because it didn't work because he counseled you and he told you it wouldn't work. He said, just love, just stand there, just put your feet apart. And just love and keep loving. And in, even in the face of injustice, love. And even in the face of, of rejection, love. And even in the face of someone trying to take advantage and you having to say, no, you can't have any more money or whatever it is that's happening, still love, still love, still love. And God's got it. He's got it. He's not going to leave you there. So passing through those hard places that God calls us through, there are no no shortcuts. So um, my shortcut used to be, up until about three years ago, and the Lord um, began to deliver me from a way of doing life that I had always felt like was superior, honestly. (laughs) And it wasn't superior. And what it was is a bridge of self-talk. I had a bridge of self-talk over every painful experience in my life. So the bridge of self-talk looks like, well, you know, they didn't know what they were doing, and they didn't mean it, and they wouldn't mean to hurt me, and I just self-talk my way right over everything painful, and instead of ever just looking it in the eye and being like, oh, that hurts so bad, and I didn't have to excuse their behavior. I didn't have to self-talk my way over it. I didn't have to say things like, you know, that wasn't that bad. I'm a strong girl. I'm resilient. I know that I'm loved by God. I'll get through this. While that seems so good on the outside, and there's some of that that actually is really right and good, but not if your feelings are completely shut down. And so when the Lord started to say to me, I want you to feel your feelings, this thought had never occurred to me. That was something I had never heard before. And, um, but I know that something that the Lord regularly does with people is he introduces them to their feelings. <laughs> And I did not like my feelings when I met them. They were There was lots of negative ones in there. There was, I'm not a crier, and I really spent about a year crying over the things that had hurt me that I had just refused to face. And I, I do have to say that God walked me through that. And you think, well, how does that help your love? If you're crying over over injustices, let's say with adult children or in your marriage or with your parents or whatever that relationship is that the Lord has said, stay, stay. And he has, he has told you in no uncertain terms, why would feeling your feelings and crying over the injustices help? It almost seems like it'd make it worse because then you'd have to bring them all up and you'd have to look at them as God took you through them one at a time. But it actually gets them out of the way. It's like throwing away the garbage. It's lifting it up. It's getting it out. And it's being free to love that person having really forgiven. See, I wasn't walking in real forgiveness. I was walking in shove it down and make it go away. 
And all that will happen if you keep shoving down your feelings is your body will turn on you and you will get sick. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, that's what happens is you shove down your feelings and then your body just rebels on you and you can't sleep or you're anxious or whatever it is until you finally say, okay, I'm going to feel these things. And so while I love like the little quotes, like what you will allow will continue. I saw that one on Twitter recently. What you will allow will continue. I think those quotes about boundaries and proper relationships, I think that 90% of the time those things are true. I've recently read the book Boundaries by McLeod and Townsend. Great book. I think that along those lines of boundaries, boundary setting, right relationships, right behavior, those those are true 90% of the time. But I tell you that you are going to run into that 10% of the time where the Lord says, I just want you to love. It's not fair. It's unjust. But I want you to love. Isaiah 45, 3 um, I, I think this is NIV, says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth in secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. There is treasures of, in darkness that he wants to give us, and there are treasures found in loving difficult people and refusing to move from that love. The Lord spoke to me in the middle of this process on loving a difficult person. He said, Paula, I want you to love like a wall unmovable. And I want you to pray that your love would not fail. Why would he want me to pray that my love would not fail? Because it can. Because love grows cold. Because it's easy to get hurt and to think, I, I can't do I deserve better than this. I've said that. Has anybody else ever said that? I deserve better than this. Oh, but there is a treasure. You guys, the treasure in darkness when you say, I don't, I'm not going to focus on what I deserve. I'm going to give this one to you, Lord. And I'm going to love like a wall unmovable and I am not moving. That means if you come near to me with nastiness, I am not moving. It means that if you criticize me or you disappoint me or you reject me again, I am not moving. I will love you like a wall immovable and it's painful. And you think, God, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And he just says, stand, just stand, just stay there. This is temporary. You will not feel this way forever. But for now, I call you to love. Don't break covenant. Don't cut and run. Don't boundary that person right out of your life. You know, you can always break covenant. That choice is always there. I feel like I'm talking to someone. That choice is always there. Always. Today is the only day that you get to choose to love well. Just now. And and having a really difficult person in your life, this is a gift in the aspect of it is an opportunity to love Jesus in a way that you have not before. It is an opportunity to throw something at his feet that is glorious and beautiful. And let us stop worrying about what we deserve. Let us stop worrying about what unjust things have done to us. God is the God of all comfort, and he's got it. He's got your heart. You think, well, who will love me well? well who will give me what I need and deserve? He will 
Does that mean, oh, you'll never be loved well? No, it's a season, I tell you, he will see you through. But he is asking us, as the body of Christ, raise the bar. Love better because the road is longer than you thought. And this will matter to you on the other side. See, no matter what, you're going to go be with him. No matter what, he's going to reward you. No matter what, he's going to welcome you into his kingdom. No matter what, heaven is going to be glorious. But he, it will matter to us how we loved here. It will. It'll mean everything to us. And we'll say, oh, I'm so glad I listened and I put more wood in the fire. Oh, I'm so glad I put more tread on the shoes. I'm so glad that I loved like a wall and I stopped worrying about what I deserve for goodness sake. I'm so glad that I planted my feet and I just said, I am staying and I'm not breaking covenant. Anyone can break covenant. I can do it tomorrow if I have to. But for now, I'm just going to love well. And so I want to pray for us. Lord, I pray that our love would not fail. I pray, Father, that you would deepen us. Deepen the well of love in us. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for getting hyper-focused on our needs or being rejected and disappointed and hurt. Right now, Lord, we just lay that down. We lay down our right to be disappointed and to be um to bail out of the relationship. And Lord, those relationships that you specifically are speaking by your Holy Spirit that you want us to stay in and love like a wall, give us the grace to do so. Help us to not be confused, Lord, with the relationships that you have said to us. I want you to leave that. It's unhealthy. And it is, it's hurting you. That we would clearly hear your Holy Spirit and know the difference. And that we would become people of love. Deep, abiding, glorious, intimate, fiery love for you and for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.